0: Trademarks owned by Becklass AB to C V 2024 Proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get
2: enough of them. Let's hear that Boston next. Big jab there from Duffy and Brett Myers. is hurt now. Down oh, oh, goes Duffy. Oh, Brett does it again. Rock'em,
1: sock'em robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian.
0: Headshot, bang, oh, oh, great to have you with us on a Wednesday, the 1st of February of the year, 2023. It's episode 385 of the Anakin Florian podcast, and we are thrilled to be joined today. I don't know if you're aging in reverse, but you're definitely getting more handsome. The number <laughs> four-ranked UFC welterweight contender, Bilal Remember the name, Muhammad. You're at the gym right now. Young LA on the collar. You look like a million bucks.
3: <laughs> my, my brother. Dude, man, you're my second favorite Anakin brother ever, dude. This is like huh. the best thing ever. <laughs>
0: you know my twin brother who you host remember the show with has often said to people that he has met along the way in the ufc i hope i don't come across as disingenuous because i probably not only sound like my twin brother but we say the same things we think the same things so we're not sort of being complimentary just for the sake of being complimentary so you just finished training though yeah
3: yeah yeah just got some uh, aspiring day here uh you just missed jam three he was over here gerald was out here uh, came down from wisconsin so it was a fun little time on uh Wednesday.
0: That was pretty funny when you went on the Joe Rogan experience and you <laughs> didn't necessarily mention Gerald Murchard as an elite grappling training partner. And he went actually pretty good on social media.
3: Dude, it was like heartbreak. I tell people all the time, like when you're in that mindset, you're talking to Joe Rogan, you get nervous. I meant to say, I'm not a black belt because I'm not a black belt. So i like to say like, bro, I'm not even a black belt. I'm beating these black belts, these great jujitsu guys. Gerald, I try, I, I said my apology to Gerald, Gerald's the man. Like I learned a million times more than I would have ever learn from anybody else. Gerald's like my coach, my brother, uh, definitely wouldn't be here without him.
0: I'm not sure that any athlete has gotten more love on the Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel over the years than Gerald Mershart. You know, he knows where his bread is butter. We talk about him being a great analyst. Obviously, he's been prominently featured on Remember the Show. We got a, love, a lot of love for GM three across the board.
3: Yeah, for sure. And like I said, people look at him and they don't understand how good he really is. J- just a book of knowledge. Yeah steps up but he fights the best of the best these new upcomers like you don't care who they put in front of like dude's a man dude's a monster and uh these fans need to start respecting him more
0: history is going to look back fondly upon everything that Gerald Merschart has accomplished same can be said for uh for Neil Magny and other other guys who I think a lot of their success in some part is rooted in longevity and, and answering yes all the time um all right so we're talking to you on a Wednesday you just finished training how would today differ from a wednesday if you were smack dab in the middle of training camp for a specific opponent
3: the sparring would be a lot harder so right now it's more technique based uh i did pads earlier then it's more so now just working on gerald helping him out for his upcoming fight that he got coming up so i'm mimicking his opponent a little bit giving him a different look but if it's my guy if i got a fight coming up however soon it is he would adjust his way of sparring his his way of fighting me that's why i said it's like no matter what style I'm going against my training partners, since we're a small group, they all adjust for that. So they all want to see me win. So they're going to change their style up. And in general, you get better at doing, uh, being a better fighter. Cause I watch the tape on this guy and I say, oh, he does it like this. Let me see, maybe that'll work for me. And then I go into my fight with a new tool, uh, a new weapon that I wouldn't have had before. All
0: right. Well, speaking of new weapons, everything about Balaam Muhammad essentially has evolved, right? The social media, the style. We'll get to the social media a little bit later. But everything about you, your fight game. But I want to go back to January 19th, 2019. My twin brother likes to remind people that you haven't lost a fight in more than four years. But that was the last time you lost a fight. It came against Jeff Neal. I believe it was the first UFC live event on ESPN. What do you remember about that time in your life, about your preparation, that fight week in Brooklyn, and and ultimately that fight night against Jeff Neal, the last time you were bested in the Octagon?
3: just a different mindset i think uh, i went into that fight and that mindset with i know that my cardio is a tool and i was like oh this guy's gonna get tired and it gets to the uh third round and you're still in there with me and also you know you got general safe saoud screaming and he's screaming from the the in the third round like just light boxing light boxing and i'm assuming oh man all right he's just gonna go light boxing there he may be tired boom get hit with a headache i'm like bro what the heck say what the yeah heck? he's right. a liar uh but no it was just i think like i said those losses helped build me up to to what i am today every single loss i've had every single moment i've been down it's only made me stronger it made me change the way i've trained the way i thought about training the way i've looked at fights and studying fights so now i feel like since that fight i've been on like the, the perfect trajectory of what i need to do in every single training camp the way i need to look at every single fight I went down there after that fight trained with jeff neal trained with uh right. safe because i want to see what these gyms are doing all right he just beat me i'm not i don't have too much of an ego to go down there and Be like well i'm not gonna talk to this guy i'm not gonna look at this guy blah, blah blah like all right well let me see what he does different over there that i'm not doing here and let me bring that type of energy and tr- uh, that training experience back to my training room and i think that i've done that and it's only made me better
0: it is just remarkable whether i'm your friend or not or just a mixed martial arts fan to look at just the physical and the mental maturation and plucking this thing from this person and Khabib Nurmagomedov coming into the mix recently. Let's touch on that a little bit. He was in your corner for the win over Sean Brady. I don't have to tell you he is no longer an active corner man. He will not be there for Islam Akashev's first title defense in Perth. Um, I would imagine he's not going to have a future role with Team Muhammad. But given the fact that you said he had so much value on fight night, is it out of the realm of possibility that one time down the line, maybe in a championship setting, he could maybe not be there omnipresent during training camp, but just show up on fight night for you.
3: Yeah, I hope so. Like I would definitely would want that because the energy, like I said, he brings to the locker room, to the cage, when you're walking out with the uh, Habib behind you, it's you just have a whole different confidence to you. And like, I would message him now, even recently when I thought I was going to have a sooner fight, I was, Hey, what do you think of this guy? And he would respond back and, the way he breaks down fights is different as well and he takes it serious even when i fought sean brady he was he would he would like flew to turkey and then while he was like on the plane he messaged me and was like hey i see he does this with only with this hand so make sure you're paying attention to that work on that while you're in the gym have one of these guys put you in the guillotine in that way so the the knowledge that he brings is endless and if he just shows me one little thing or says one little thing to me It'll give me a different confidence level as well if i know i'm talking to habib and he's like hey i see this this and this with any of these guys i'm gonna be like well if he sees it then i need to work on it and i need to adjust to that
0: it is interesting to hear you say that even for me as a commentator right you end up leaning on certain people and trusting certain people dean thomas before he was featured on our broadcast used to send me like those films that he would create for his athletes i remember his breakdown of ronda rousey for amanda Nunes, and it just opened my eyes up to what a really elite mma mind could do as far as the preparation and really extracting things on film so um that's interesting to hear you delve into that all right so gilbert burns kamar usman balau muhammad are you all represented by ali abdelaziz Yes. (laughs) All right. So I didn't necessarily plan on having this conversation today. This is not in my notes, but that would seem to me to be a conflict of interest. Now, you guys have talked about this on Remember the Show. I love Ali. He is a dear friend of mine, but I just don't know how he can serve three elite welterweight masters at this point in time. Like, it's crazy to me that he could effectively, optimally serve all three of your best interests. Given the fact that you all can lay claim to a championship opportunity right now, maybe Gilbert can't right now, right? But I don't know, man. It seems a little bit messy to me. And you, f- you can feel free to answer. No comment.
3: No, exactly. Like I understand. For me, I like to try to put myself in other people's shoes, especially with this uh, Gilbert Burns situation. And I've, I've dealt with it already before. When uh, before I fought Luke, it was supposed to be me against Chimaev, and then Gilbert. Rep- I mean, uh, Ali represents me. Gilbert and Luke. and then he calls me up and he was like, Hey, if you fight my Gilbert and Luke, don't have an opponent. And I'm like, I don't care what they have. They're not my teammates. they like, we're cool, but it's like, I, am trying to get to the top and Chimayev is the way to get there. And, um, we had to adjust and he's like, well, I'll give you Luke. And obviously I wanted that rematch anyway. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that. But then you see it again, happening again with, uh, Kobe Covington, where I, we were like in talks for like three weeks. Before Gilbert's fight, and they were like, You're gonna fight Kobe, and I got excited, I'm pumped up, and they're like, You're gonna do the Ultimate Fighter. And I'm like, Okay, cool. Cause I say it on Joe Rogan show, the biggest podcast platform in the world. No, no right. you don't wanna do that. You don't wanna uh piss anybody off before it's announced. So then I'm like, okay, well, whatever. We have a bunch of other stuff to talk about. But then Gilbert fights, and then boom, he announces, yo, me against Kobe on Ultimate Fighter, and you're like, wait. I thought we weren't supposed to say that. And secondly, I thought, how do you know about that? Obviously, it was. We have the same management, so I'm assuming Gilbert before the fight was trying to call me out, saying, "Oh, you know, Blah Muhammad ducked me, this, this, and this." And I'm assuming that Ali probably said, "No, Blah is gonna fight Kobe. Why are you, why are you calling him out?" And he's like, "Wait, why does he get the Ultimate Fighter opportunity and I don't?" So I'm seeing it from all ends. But like I said, if, if I'm gonna, if I want a manager, if I want my guy Ali, you have to be able to tell this guy like. Or keep your mouth shut when it comes to other people's business, I think. Right. Because otherwise it's gonna obviously we're all fighting for the same cause. We're all fighting neither. And Ultimate Fighter is a huge opportunity. So if you tell Gilbert that I'm having it, obviously he's gonna want to do it. And then he has the biggest platform right now because he just fought and he has the mic in front of him. So that if I would have said it on Joe Rogan, I think it would have blew up a lot better and a lot faster. So we had a little arguments here and there, but like I said, I it is I don't think it's anything where Ali like likes this guy better than me or that guy better than me. I think he's yeah. just in a hard spot. Uh, and try to manage all three guys, and then when you're well, right. looking at also like this, also because it gives you that look too. Because Ali's telling me you're going to fight Kobe next, and Gilbert's going to fight Masvidal, but then Gilbert's on Twitter still talking trash to me, and I'm like, bro, wait, hold up, are you? Is this really? Is he really fighting Masvidal? And I'm fighting Kobe? And he's like, yeah. So I'm like, why is he keep tweeting out like, oh, I'll fight anybody in London, this, this, and this. So it really didn't make no sense to me from what gilbert was doing but i didn't get it but obviously people just want stuff for it, like twitter uh uh retweets nice. and things like that so in the end i'm hoping that what ali said was true where gilbert gets mazla and i get kobe because that's the fight i want is kobe
0: ufc top-ranked welterweight contender Bilal muhammad with us here on the anakin florian podcast i appreciate you providing some candor and clarity to that because i'm not sure there's a better manager in the game Then Ali Abdelaziz, but you can't serve all masters all the time. I remember back in the day talking to our Hall of Fame matchmaker, Joe Silva, about some of my broadcasting challenges. And it just felt like we were always trying to serve all these different masters and that became an impossibility. But um, I do think the big fight for you is going to materialize. And to that end, correct me if I'm wrong. And you know how much love I have for Gilbert Burns. We have the same strength and conditioning coaches down here. The only reason I train at the Institute of Human Performance is because he got me for Christmas like a package of training sessions there. I have mad love for Gilbert Burns. But correct me if I'm wrong. The path to the top for you more than likely would go through Colby Covington or Hamza Shimaev. And a win against one of those two individuals, you believe, will get you the championship opportunity. And that is your thesis statement. Is that correct?
3: Exactly. Yeah. My my initial one, obviously, it's like if I beat Gilbert Burns, they're going to be like, "Well, Colby or Hamzat's still ahead of you." So right. it was pointless for uh, that fight. It didn't really make right. any sense. But obviously, I have an ego. If somebody's talking trash, for sure. Let's fight. But the Hamza situation, they said he's moving up. So he's moving up to middleweight. So I'm like, all right, well, I'll put my aim and attention on Kobe then because he's the only one ahead of me. And that's the only one that Dana White's been saying for years. If Ushma wasn't here, he'd be the champion. He's the guy that I've been wanting to fight for years. And it's a big opportunity, big fight. And it, that's that name that's going to get me over the edge where I, mean, I had the winning streak. I had the long streak. I just beat the undefeated. Uh, bulldozer that they thought was going to yeah. be the champion students but that didn't do enough for me they still think i need that one big name and i think that kobe will definitely be that name
0: bala muhammad has the streak go to his wikipedia page you can't find any red on it unless you have to like scroll the fuck down like <laughs> four years ago right we're talking about wins in eight of his last nine eight no with one no contest so Obviously, you sort of are playing the waiting game, and Colby Covington has seemingly been idling, laying back in the cut for a little while. You mentioned Hamzat Shimaev and his future in all likelihood at middleweight. Now we have the fight between Gilbert Burns and Jorge Masvidal, and I'd imagine there's some appeal for you fighting a guy like Gamebred, but not unlike Gilbert. You're probably a 4 or 5 to 1 favorite against him. It's not necessarily a championship trajectory fight, and... Stylistically, obviously, I think that poses some challenges for him. You know, how do you see the Covington fight and the Masvidal fight? A win over either one of those guys propelling you and Gilbert forward, respectively.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Masvidal fight would have been a big fight. He still has a big name, no matter what, and he's still going to have those fans, kind of like the Diaz brothers, where they're going to be with you. know they're going to watch you tune in, no matter what. So that was another fight where everybody was booked, and I was like, well, okay, if none of these guys are trying to fight. Then give me masvidal in london <clears throat> and they said oh well we're we're not looking at that right now where i was told they weren't looking at that right now so i was like okay then they brought up kobe to me and i said wait kobe's back he's thinking about fighting i wanted that, that fight more than anything anyway so then i re- realized that he was at the pi people were telling me they saw him there so i'm assuming that he's negotiating with the ufc or talking with the ufc so he wants to be back so they got me a little bit hyped up about it and for gilbert you're looking at a guy like Masvidal and, like I said, three-fight losing streak. He's number, I think, 11 right now or 12. So if you win that fight, are you going to say, how oh, is Bilal Muhammad still ahead of me? You're, you're yeah. fighting number 14 the Magni. Now you're fighting number 12. And Masvidal, and you're a huge favorite against both of those guys. You're, you're meant to win those fights. Me, I just beat. I beat number five, Wonderboy. I was an underdog. And then I beat number five, Luke back-to-back. Who's, I was an underdog. And then I'm still an underdog when I fight Sean Brady, who's number seven. I'm beating guys that I'm underdogs against. I'm not meant to beat these guys. So that's why I feel like I deserve to be ahead of them anyway. And I deserve to be ahead of Kobe anyway. I should be like number two, right under Usman right now. If I'm being candid with it, that's what makes the most sense. But hey, if I have to go through Kobe, I'm down to do that. I'm not asking for extra money. I'm not asking for pay-per-view points. I'm saying, give me Kobe, give me tomorrow.
0: Well, it looks like we just lost Bilal Muhammad for a minute there, but it is all very interesting stuff when it comes to this welterweight division. And we now transition to the general safe, Saud. And if Bilal wants to join us on the back end, that's great. The only thing I failed to get into with him was, oh, there he is. We have a little, little oh, crossover. Right? Hey, what's up? No. Hey,
1: hey, he jumped right. Hey, right when you were out, that was it. I just stepped right in. Look at that Bilal. It's that just like the welterweight division, man. You slip up <laughs> that's, for one second, that's, that's right. Somebody is there
2: to take your spot. <laughs> what the heck, Cody? Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy tilt-sip-smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule-breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California.
0: Unbelievable. (laughs) Hey, Bilal, before we let you get out of here and we get to safe and safe, thanks for your patience. Gilbert Burns, and I know you're sick of hearing that name, he has predicted that Leon Edwards will win the March 18th championship rematch, the trilogy fight against Kamaru Usman. What do you think about that fight? I mean, largely his prediction is rooted in the altitude or lack thereof compared to Salt Lake City, Utah, where they last fought. Who do you believe will emerge between Usman and Edwards? And obviously, you're going to factor prominently in that equation thereafter.
3: I mean, I, I think Usman, if I'm looking at it, his wrestling was way better than him. He outstruck him on the feet, he broke him mentally. And you could say he was altitude or anything, but Usman still trains at high altitude. is still going to come with that same type of cardio, that same type of pressure. I think Leon got backed up to the cage, and I think the moment was a little bit too big for him. And Usman's going to do the same thing again. He's going to back him up. He's going to wrestle a lot earlier. Being in the cage with Leon, I felt his body. I felt his strength, and I don't think it was there. I don't think his wrestling is there. And you look at the guys, a lot of the guys that he's fought, Nate Diaz, uh, Donald Cerrone, he's a lot bigger than all these guys. And against a lot of those guys, he'll take them down and control them on the ground. He's not going to be able to do that against Usman. He's going to have to stay on the feet. I know his striking is supposed to be this next level thing, but I think when you're moving backwards and you're on your back foot, that's what kills your cardio. And I think that's what's hurting Leon. And he's coming out now trying to talk all this talk and say Usman's going to be a snooze fest, yada, yada, yada. But Usman don't care. Usman's here to win. Usman's here to get his title back. And if I'm Usman, you're going to play the smart route, the smart, easy route, Is take Leon down and just dominate him on the ground because that's what the easiest path was.
0: And if I'm Bilal Muhammad, I'm just looking for clarity one way or the other. Just let this be a clean result, a clear winner, and then we can uh, get to uh, all the big things that inevitably lie ahead for you. But I hope you get the Colby Covington fight. I really hope it's on the Ultimate Fighter. I appreciate your time, my brother, and uh, I look forward to big things the rest of the way in 2023 and beyond, my man. Thank you.
3: Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. All right, Colt. There
0: he is, Chicago's finest, Bilal Muhammad. Actually, has a law degree from the University of Illinois. That was sort of one of the things that is going to end up on the cutting room floor. Like, I wonder if at what po- what point do you really like punt on being a lawyer if you're Bilal Muhammad? You know, you know, i went to law school too.
1: You know, I went to law school too. Yeah,
0: I could see you in a courtroom any yeah. day of the week. I mean, that looks—that's a pretty good setting for you, I would <laughs> think, a courtroom.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, there's too many lawyers already in the world, though. So when you get a political science uh, major. I mean, as my dad said, when I graduated, he goes, now what are you going to do? Like, I mean, there's really nothing, you got to go to law school. So yeah, I went to law school, but was never an attorney.
0: All right. Well, if you don't know that voice, he is the head coach, founder of Fortis MMA in Dallas, Texas, USA. One of the best cornermen and coaches in all of combat sports. I actually believe you could realize success coaching defense in the NFL if that was your chosen craft. The great safe Saud is with us. The fucking general. It's good to have you. I wanted one on one today. No Ken Flo. He actually has a PFL conflict, but I need 20 minutes with the general all to myself. It's good to see you. How you doing?
1: Listen, Jay, when you wear that fucking shirt, you can have a uh, power. <laughs> of
0: my whatever well,
1: you need you just let me know you got when you're wearing that home team shirt man he's just getting me pumped up already
0: all right well i'm gonna try not to hit you too hard today but you have said to me in the past privately that once you produce a ufc champion you may not stick around all that long thereafter and hopefully all of your fortis mma brethren aren't necessarily ingesting this no i say that tongue-in-cheek but now you get your first ufc title As a head coach, courtesy of Brandon Moreno, yes, it comes in a somewhat unorthodox way, but upon reflection, what are your whole thoughts on the manner in which your first UFC championship materialized?
1: Well, I was talking to Ryan Spann about this yesterday. And uh, the reality is that the Brandon fight had a lot of different components, but in some ways, you know, that's like, this is my 80th UFC win. And I said that on Ariel and I've been in that corner a lot of times, and I appreciate you know your kind words, and you've always supported me, and ever since day one, and and I've got to acknowledge that you're the man. But there was a lot of pressure for this fight because when are you going to go in a title fight where you have a fourth fourth fight where they're one one and one in every razor close every fight. So and so that you know the and then the circumstances obviously were you know weren't perfect um for anybody so to come in there on you know just barely six weeks and have to get everything organized there was actually probably more pressure on this situation than there would be for me if I take Ryan or Jeff or one of these guys because that'll be their first title fight it won't be a the uh, quadrilogy, I mean, you know, and right. Right. So, and it won't be in Rio and it won't be with all the certain, so the, the, the pressure from Brandon's fight and the, 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 the gravity of it and how big it was and an enemy territory. And then, you know, obviously Figgy knew him so well. So when I was crafting the strategy and thinking about all that, it, you know, I was got to think about Figgy knows every little thing about Brandon. How do we get Brandon to do things, differently in a way to kind of just because i believe brandon was a better fighter and i believe that we could prove it pretty easily and to get that all done was huge and to get it all done fairly cleanly to be honest you know uh those guys are lucky man because now i have that experience and you know and for our strategy to work and for brandon to listen and make the adjustments he did he's a great student and for us to dominate the fourth fight so big uh it was great. And uh, look, championships are good for everybody because they raise the stakes for everybody. They make everybody better and winning makes everybody better and it solves everything. So uh it doesn't really matter who it is or how it is or what it is. Yeah. It's, it's the situation and, and that title fight will probably be one of the hardest title fights that you could coach because of all the factors
0: yeah no you put it well as usual and whatever happens with jeff Neal or ryan span or the next guy walking through those doors no one can ever take this undisputed ufc title away from brandon moreno and from you as a coach so i congratulate you on that and again there's so much that i could get into but i get a lot of credit for the sacrifice i make as a commentator being away from my family a hundred nights a year to pursue what i love to do but doesn't even begin to describe what a coach's <sighs> sacrifice is can you just set up real quickly what your December was to hold with your family compared to what it ended up being going back <sighs> and forth from Vegas to Texas and all that
1: yeah it uh I was just talking to my wife about this um you know and that's the reason why you alluded to it like you know hey how much longer right I've been doing this since 2006. full-time was an athlete fought from 0609 under Greg Jackson lived in albuquerque We traveled a lot we would go to vegas all the time obviously things have exploded and changed but with the ufc's growth also comes cards almost every week uh multiple fighters on cards everything has grown exponentially so you know we used to leave maybe once a month or you know you know maybe on a crazy month we'd leave twice a month now i'm gone every week and last year was a huge year for us. Uh, we won gym in the year, you know, it was a great year and it was a busy year. We had tons of big fights, tons of wins, but there were huge fights, ranked fights. So once December came around, I had got done doing the show. And I was like, man, I'm going to be home for about, uh, you know, five weeks, four or five weeks. And I just was looking forward to it so much, John. I was like my kids and my daughter, you know, I got daughters, you know, the feeling and, making the plans and, Hey, dad, we're going to do this. We're going to do that and X, Y, Z. And so when, when this came and this opportunity came, um, you know, when I looked at it, I realized that not only was I not going to be home, but I was going to have to do more than I've ever done. So, man, I was gone every week, you know, I mean, all that whole five weeks was dedicated to being in Dallas for the first half of the week. And then I would fly to Vegas on Wednesday and we would do brand sparring on Wednesday night. Thursday, we were trained, Friday, we were trained, Friday, you know, Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, Saturday morning. And then I would get on a plane and fly back and then come back and coach my team. And I was trying to do, you know, I was trying to coach my team while I was here twice as much as I normally would to make up for not being here on the second half of the week. So that was front loading all that work and really just doing both. But, you know, John ended up working out, And not only did it end up working out, but you grow, you go, you go through these hard times and you grow through that, through that space, man. And you just, you know, you, you expand yourself and you're capable of more. And I knew I could take it on and do it, but I knew Brandon's fight was going to require a lot. And uh, we made sure all of us coaches that were involved, put a lot into that camp to make sure he was prepared. And, and I'm proud of that.
0: And I know how embedded you were with the entirety of that Brandon Moreno camp, which essentially is a family. And however close you and Brandon were before the fight, I got to imagine going through that title fight together has brought you just exponentially closer to that end. He has talked a lot about how much you helped him as far as his mental game is concerned. That says nothing of just your mind for the physical and everything else that's going on. But we did get a lot of questions on Twitter about your future in terms of working with Brandon Moreno. Obviously, you do have Matt Schnell who is a ranked flyweight. i imagine there's a wealth of flyweights and bantamweights in dallas were he to go there so what can you tell our listeners and viewers about the future uh between you and uh and the flyweight champ
1: yeah i just uh i just talked to him the other day and i mean he's excited man you know and he's proud of what we did and he's like man coach i think we did great i said i think we did great too i mean we had an amazing execution and it's been nothing but love and he's excited about coming and training and he's going to come to dallas and he wants to come and, 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 you know, Brandon's just one of those guys, man, he's just a good character guy, you know, and he recognized the sacrifice that I made and he brought it up at the press conference. You know, he said, coach was coming. He doesn't want credit, but he was coming every week. He said, now I got to go to Dallas and, and, uh, and, and give him some work. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But, uh, like I was saying last week, you know, I just want that kid to chill for a while, man. And, and, you know, our gym is so big and so built up and has so much you know um so much going on we don't need to parade around a guy and say hey 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 look look we got a champ here hey let's take a bunch of pictures and, and throw right, them up. Right, hey right, hey right. hey hey cheese ball central let's go let's go right. we don't do shit <laughs> like that and uh let the fucking guy have his his time let him hang out with his family let him hang out with his daughters that guy's got three daughters uh you know he's yeah. got he's got he's, you know, he also went through the stress and the hardship and all that pressure that Brandon had, he had so much pressure on him for that fight. It was such a big fight. Like I previously stated, I mean, there was so much behind that fight that let the guy just fucking decompress, man. And when he's ready to train and you know, he won't fight until the summer, you know, champs don't fight every two months and we'll figure it out. It'll probably be Pantoja. And, uh, you know, we'll start getting ready. You know, he comes from a great team. Obviously they've had a history together, but I think Brandon's a lot different of a fighter now. And, and uh, we'll have fun, man. Um, but yeah, uh, that when that time comes, we will cross that bridge, but we've, we've had that conversation already a few
0: times. Certainly decompression though should be the buzzword. And I don't think anybody would be surprised to see him. Return for international fight week in all likelihood it will be Alessandre Pantoja and I think you had no choice backstage, but to sort of intervene there. We have this trend seemingly of athletes hanging out backstage whether they're backups or otherwise and seems like the champion the newly minted champion can't even get a shower before he has his next opponent like up in his mug um yeah. it seemed like finally you had seen too much we all respect Pahumpa and Pantoja but this yeah. seemed like a little bit too forceful and finally you sort of said bro you got to chill
1: yeah you got to chill man i, I love Pahumpa he he is a fucking g of a coach he doesn't get enough credit i think he is yeah one of the heartbeats of that team down there and he he, that guy i see him every week man i mean he's got a close bond with his athletes he is a a a great dude a great coach and i want to give him a shout out he was not around uh when that happened and i think maybe pantoja had a couple drinks it was night you know i mean i don't know what the situation was it ended up you know at first was very just you know it was very lovable but you know brandon's talked about it before he just kept on asking for a date and we'll win we'll win when we'll win. it's like did we just walk out of medical like literally and brandon hurt his knee and you know we were talking about that And i mean he's kind of limping around and and you know it's like man dog at first it was cool to hug the respect pantoja <laughs> deserves it Pantoja's is a g you know obviously he's got the wins over i mean all that's fine but it was like man he's asking for a date and he just kept going and brandon is so brandon is such a uh respectful guy. And, you know, to that end, you know, all the antics and everybody's every Brandon's just a classy dude. And he was just keeping it classy. And I just want, and I think Pantoja, wasn't trying to be disrespectful. It just was, it was what it was, but it was just time for me to peel him off with, Hey man, uh, you know, let's go. So yeah, no big deal. I mean, those guys are going to meet and you know, but it ain't going to be fucking next week. You know what I'm saying? The guy's guy's got to recover and he's, He's got to get his body right and all the rest. So
0: the general <clears throat> safe saud with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast, MMA junkies, gym of the year for 2022, Fortis MMA. I mean, dude, I could give you my Robert Follis corner man of the year like every fucking year, but it would just not be objective enough. Okay. You've won it like three times already. I'll take so it. Yeah, you know, but I'm
1: waiting, but I'm waiting for the JA trophy. See, I see right. I need a JA trophy for the for the den, right? right. I need to have we'll
0: that happen. I, I need some hardware. All right, we got a few more things that I do want to get to with you before I let you fly. A um, couple of your higher profile fighters with fights coming up, and then we'll get to your television career. Um, Jeff Neal has regained his momentum after a couple of trying years, health wise and otherwise. Um, for a while, many have suggested that this is your best hope to realize a UFC championship for a homegrown Fortis MMA athlete. He gets Shavkat Rachmanov March 4th at UFC 285. Guy who a lot of people feel is the uncrowned champion. I mean, gosh, my contemporaries talk about this guy like he is the next fucking coming. Um, yeah. What can you tell us about Jeff's preparation and the overall magnitude of that fight March 4th?
1: Well, look, Shaft is a guy that nobody wants to fight. And to piggyback off of what Bilal said, you know, I mean, that welterweight division is just unreal. Those guys, man, the games they're playing up there and and the ring around the posy. I mean, they, they say shit on Twitter that is just a straight up lie. Oh, I'll fight anyone, all oh, this and that. I got the, I got the emails. I got the texts. I got everything to prove it. I just would never go there because I don't think it's classy and I, and I just don't think it's a place for a coach. So, uh, yeah. but, but, you know, Bilal's frustrations are, are, are well warranted because all those guys turned down Jeff too. And, you know, Jeff obviously has a win over Bilal and, uh, I love the hell out of Bilal, respect him. He's come and trained with us and he's not a guy that we want to fight again. Bilal right. des- deserves his, you know, where he's at. But Jeff also with the win over Bilal, like, you know, and it was a dominant win. So, I mean, look, Jeff had almost freaking died. He had a couple of bad fights. Bilal beat those guys credit to Bilal, but there's an argument to be made for new blood up there. But you've got the guys that are just hanging around and hanging around and trying to stay relevant. And they've got big names. And really, that's what people care about. Nobody gives a shit about guys like Jeff yet, uh, except for the hardcore people who understand and know the sport. But you know, you know, I mean, I understand what the UFC's trying to do. They've got to get the pay-per-views. I mean, I get I understand everybody's perspective. So on that end, we we're here we are fighting a guy like Shaftcat who was calling Jeff out on Twitter. It probably wasn't really Shaftcat, it was probably his manager. And cuz right. uh, I don't think Shaftcat was would do that, but so Jeff was like, "Hey, fuck it. I'm gonna fight this guy." And I said, "All right." And he said calls me and he goes, "I'm gonna have to meet him now or later." So whatever. And, you know, I respect that about Jeff and I'm like, Jeff, this is a super hard fight. It's risky. I'm like, you know, I really think you should fight Gilbert. You know, they were right by each other in the rankings, but you know, Gilbert didn't say a word when Jeff was calling him out that whole time. And then on the flip side, but credit to Gilbert, Gilbert's already fought Hamza and he's going to use that. He's going to ride that out. So he fought Magni and now he's fighting Masvidal. And you know, Bilal's what Bilal said is true. Those are easy fights for him. Odds wise, and uh, but credit to him. He did fight Humzad. So that being said, I told Jeff, I was like, look, this is your fight, this is that fight for you. You know, if if Jeff goes in there and, and, and takes care of business against Shavcat, there is no real argument there again. I mean, because he already has a win over Bilal. Uh, and and then Gilbert's gonna have to face either Bilal or Jeff or somebody before he gets back in the title picture. And obviously, I don't blame Gilbert. He wants Leon to win because he has a loss against Usman and they are friends too. So there's some strategy being played there, uh, by everybody. And there's no easy fights. And the only way that you're going to get to the top in that division is, is, is by big explosive finishes, like the Luque fight that Jeff had, where it's just like unreal. And so now he's going to try to do that against Shaft which is a huge, uh, test Shaft is very, very good. He's undefeated. He's never lost but there's nowhere to run in that welterweight division. There's nowhere to go. You can't win this fight and hide out and camp out. You know, the, the Vicente win was big, but Jeff's not gonna get a title shot off that, right? And, uh, and I know that, and he knows that. So he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to go in there and do something amazing again, which he's he did it against, against, uh, you know, not many people in the UFC. He's had the Perry fight, the Vicente fight, the Camacho fight. The guys had some crazy, unreal knockouts. Yeah. And I think that if he can pull that off again, you know, people are gonna start calling for that title shot for him. And Jeff can do it, man. He's you know, I, I would put Jeff against any anybody. And uh but Shafkat, it might be the hardest fight in the division if Humzat is going to middleweight from what I'm hearing. And you know, right. we'll see.
0: But yeah, man, like if you think about Jamal Hill's path, right? How quickly it can happen for somebody who is new blood, who has yeah. a finishing style, yeah. a crowd pleasing style, right? Because it is not out of the realm of possibility. And I'm not just saying this because the generals here that if Jeff Neal can finish Shavkat Rachmanov, who is essentially the man in the division, yeah. Yeah. it's not out of the realm of possibility that he gets a title fight. No. And that's why for Bilal Muhammad, the Gilbert Burns fight just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's not no. an eliminator. Yeah. It, it really isn't, you know. You're so. Right. All right. Well, that's the Jeff Neal stuff. It's going to be very interesting. It's a fascinating fight. I know it got delayed a little bit, but I'm glad that it held together. How about Ryan Spann? I mean, another guy who obviously I think at times has been a victim of of lofty expectation, but another main event February 25th against another wicked dangerous guy, Nikita Krylov, another underappreciated guy. Um... And Spam, one of the guys near the top, who I don't believe has faced Jamal Hill. So, obviously, another huge fight here for Ryan Spam. What are your thoughts on him and ultimately the 205-pound division?
1: Well, I mean, you look at Ryan Spam, he's just got, you know, incredible skills, athleticism, power in both hands. He's very, very well-balanced, but uh, he's going to have to get through a guy like Nikita, who, you know, you saw Glover on his title run. Glover fought him to a decision or a split decision. I mean, they had a very close fight. That was Glover and he was on the ground with Glover three rounds. And I mean, that was Glover when he was climbing up and he was very dangerous. Nikita is no game. And I mean, uh, he's a guy that can hang in there for five rounds and be there with his experience. He's very balanced. He's got a good kicking attack, good wrestling, good jujitsu. Um, he's not a guy that you can take lightly. But again, he's a guy that you're going to have to try to go through if you want to get to the upper echelon of that 205-pound division. But I feel like if Ryan, you know, back to what I was saying about Jeff, if Ryan has another knockout, like he did with Dom, something that clean and impressive and that quick, you know, don't be surprised if you don't see him up there. Um, you know, uh, there was some movement there, uh, and, and we got a phone call about a pretty potentially big matchup, uh, when all that stuff happened with Glover and ankle and yawn. So, I mean, I won't get into it too much, but yeah, man, the UFC is all about, dude, it's all about producing. When you go down to the lights and you produce beautiful fights and big knockouts, you get moved up because people want to see that stuff. And Mick Maynard's all over that, man. That guy works. He never stops working. Mick Maynard, your fighter gets done fighting. The very next day. What do you think about seven weeks from now? What do you think about this and that? And I mean, he just keeps it moving, you know, and, and, uh, and it's good. And fighters like that too, you know? Uh, so, and light heavyweights a little bit different, obviously than we're than welterweight, you know, Sean's got to untangle all that, all that crap that's going on at welterweight every division is different. So, but that's the thing about Mick. I mean, he is always right when the fight's over, he's on the phone. I mean, and he's a guy that likes to get new blood in there. And, and, and you know, that, that fight, you, Jamal came from the contender and this is the evolution of the sport and watching the, the UFC build people from a younger, you know, a, a different platform in the contender, feed him in and showing, you know, Glover obviously being the, the elder statesman going against the young guy from the contender. So. Yeah, it's just, and it's heart wrenching for us old timers to see a guy like Glover not win, and and Shogun not win, and you know, I mean, we us people been in MMA since you know two thousand two thousand and five. We're always gonna root for those people, but this is yeah. just, it's just like watching your parents get old, man. It doesn't feel good, but it's a part of life, you know. And I yeah. think that that's just a part of this time right now in MMA, watching some of the greats and and the golden age kind of you know fall on the sword a little and it's just going to keep happening
0: but dude this fan base turns over like every two or three years right so much so that people were bemoaning the fact that johnny walker got a louder pop than shogun who at the way yeah. in in rio and that's You're just right. kind of the way it is all right You're before right. we let you go two quick ones first of all i need a dark horse fighter from fortis mma or two or three right i know this is tough to hand pick a fighter or two but a dark horse fighter from fortis mma doesn't necessarily have to be in the ufc but i'm looking for a fighter that is not in the ufc rankings right now that Uh, could be heard from kennedy don't tell me kennedy and Zetchiku's not ranked
1: kennedy's not ranked and i'm going to tell you it's like watching a baby crawl and then start to jog and then start to run and then soon that's going to be a full sprint and you know i've raised him up like almost all mine from nothing i mean when he came in the gym You know, uh, he just lost his mom, God rest her soul, but she came and sat down. And I remember she, she said, he doesn't know anything, but work on this, work on my son, work on him. And I said, all right. And, you know, taught him how to punch, taught him how to move, taught him how to level change, you know, started explaining stuff to him. And now to see him, you know, if he got the main event in that Kutalaba fight, they're like, Hey, you guys are the main event. He goes, call, make and see if we can make it five rounds. We're in the back, John. We're in the back. This is two hours before the fight. Call Mickey, see if he can make it five rounds because it'll be better for me. I said, uh, I said, you want the money? You know, like you want more money? He said, oh, no, yeah, whatever. Like, I mean, he was, he was so tuned in. He was like, hey, I, you know, let's go five. Like, and let me tell you something. You got a guy backstage who's a light heavyweight, that size of a man who is willing to, you know, fight an extra 10 minutes against a monster like Iwan Kutsalaba. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, when you're in the back, man, you see the real stuff. You see what what the core is. You see what the fabric is of your athlete and you know them. And, you know, sometimes they're scared. They overcome it. Sometimes the, the fear overtakes them and they lose. Sometimes they shine, you know. But to see him say, oh, yeah, call Mick. He said, call Mick and see if they can make it. And so Mick's yeah, laughing. Yeah. He goes, I don't think they're going to do it. But then he texts me "No." So he's growing up now to that place, man, where he's just, just like, put me in the water, coach. I just want to, I just want to be in the water so I can keep swimming. And man, once that guy gets where I think he's going, he's going to be a problem for everybody
0: it's amazing it's amazing to hear you say that his frame obviously is great and again that jab obviously when you have that length in that division I'm sorry to hear about his mom I remember having a conversation with him early on about his yeah. mom who I believe had ALS and he was supporting Correct. her financially in other ways right so uh, I'm sorry to hear that all right before we let you go general safe so with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast UFC breakdown budding television star they don't let you wear your uh, your hat on TV but you still <laughs> look great so obviously i have thought you to be very capable whether it comes to being a coach on a broadcast or being featured analytically on a show so uh how have you enjoyed that experience and uh do you feel like you're long for this media game or not so much
1: well i appreciate it john and i've just got to tell all the viewers just because i have to tell this story 2013 john ennick running me down in the tunnel please wait wait how do you say your name correctly huh. i said it's safe so. I want to get that right. John Anik, 10 years ago, 10 years of perfect pronunciation. John Anik has yeah. been in the game, busting his ass, enunciating beautifully. And I mean, I'll never forget that. Right. And, uh, and I always appreciated that. So I, I like to bring up that story because it's true because everybody sees the preparation now, but the preparation has been going on forever. And on that note, it's a lot of preparation, man. Doing the <laughs> show, the doing the show has been a, uh, you know, a big endeavor, but one that, I really enjoyed and, you know, I was, I never saw myself in that role. And when the UFC came to me and, and asked me to do it, uh, you know, I was obviously, you know, uh, thrilled and thought it was a big compliment, but I, I didn't, wasn't sure if it was something I really wanted to do. I've been traveling so much, but I'll tell you the best part of it, John, is that it just made me a way better coach because I'm consistently looking at the best looking at what they do, how they do it, picking up all the little details with the film study, watching champions. It's been really fun. I mean, and and, you know, I was in Rio and Jamal Hill comes up to me and said, man, that breakdown was so good. He's I love that breakdown and striking coach. Hey, man, you know, we really liked it. He said, Jamal's like, don't give away all my secrets. And I thought that was cute. Then in New York, I was in, um, New York in radio city. And Izzy came up to me and, uh, and said, Hey, he's like, man, I got to talk to you, bro. He said that he goes, I know I do all that shit, but the way that you explained it, man, then he had it on his phone. And he's like, I got to show you this Kevin Gaslam elbow that you had broken down. And he was showing it to me and explaining it to me Wow! put a smile on my face. So, you know, to have all these guys that, uh, are having fun with it and enjoying it and, uh, and the fans have been great about it. And I've been getting a lot of love for it. So, um it's what we do man and usually we don't do it with a suit and a tie on in a studio we do it in the gym yeah, but right. it's what it's what we do you know
0: and to have your work acknowledged by perhaps the most sophisticated striker in ufc history is there lot that's pretty heady stuff but uh, i can't cool. say that i'm surprised he's the general safe saoud to mma uh congrats on all your success my man and uh great to have a front row seat for all of it and uh obviously it's wheels up pretty soon you are not going to be in perth australia is that correct
1: no are you going to perth
0: yeah, bro. I don't even want to tell you about my itinerary. Three flights, right? The middle leg. Hopefully, Mick Maynard's with me. The middle of the three flights from Houston to Sydney, 17 hours, 45 minutes. Oh, so, man. Yeah, dude. You longest I've ever been on a plane was 1555. We got 1745 next week. I've so. done
1: straight Sydney, straight through. And it was 17, I think, because it's a 45-minute flight from here to Houston. So, uh, you know what? You, are you doing Qantas? What are you flying?
0: I don't know. I think it might be Qantas, but uh, let's, either let's way, talk. I got a lot of fighters to prepare. Yeah. So I got a lot, a lot of work to do on the front end. So
3: you'll get it done. But we Hey, man. Do.
0: Hey, congratulations. Thank you for the time. I'll see you in a few weeks. All right. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, John. There he is. The fucking general safe. Saud with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Really interesting stuff. And uh, Kennedy and Zechaku, if you don't know, really transitioned from the workforce to fighting to support his mom and I didn't know that she had passed away so that kind of hit me pretty heavily there in the middle of that interview but I love the general safe Saoud I love that he's getting some uh, some television work and just has done a tremendous job and uh, I remember obviously meeting him in 2013 I believe he was in Brazil cornering Damon Jackson at the time if I'm not mistaken but I also remember vividly that conversation about him talking about maybe walking away when he produces a UFC champion and even though Moreno doesn't necessarily Check that box completely. It certainly does in a lot of respects, and I'm happy for Safe. And then one quick thing on Bilal Muhammad, and I know we sort of shortchanged Bully there at the end because we had a little bit of a uh, of a rocky transition between guests. But there were two things that I just wanted to mention. First of all, just the social media grind, and I know Bilal doesn't have children, but. When he started Remember the Show with my twin brother on the Anakin Florian Podcast YouTube channel, he might have had 15,000 Instagram followers, and look at him now, hundreds of thousands. And that stuff doesn't happen by accident, right? There's work involved. Obviously, you get a big spike when you headline a UFC event or when you fight in the UFC, but that takes communication with people who are embedded in the MMA Twitter sphere or on Instagram, Earning that respect from people and having a collaboration with fans that takes time. And I just wanted to give Bilal credit for that. And I will just say Ali Abdelaziz is the fucking man. Like I I absolutely love that guy. But if I had him on these airwaves, you could be sure the first question I would ask would be how do you navigate when you have three guys near the top of a division, you know? Would you ever, for a singular negotiation, give Bilal off or give a welterweight off for one single fight negotiation to make sure that they got that fight? It's a tricky situation when you're uh, trying to serve a lot of high-profile athletes. But uh, I think all things considered, Ali does it uh, about as well as anybody else. Yeah, Cody Merrow telling me that Bilal has gained almost 100,000 followers in the last 12 months alone. Uh, he's got a great fucking co-host in Boston Anik. Alright, thank you all for uh, for watching the show today. Hope you enjoy the interviews. We will be back next week, of course, with a full preview and predictions for UFC 284. Mikasha versus Volkanovski, Brian Petrie and Kenny Florian. We'll have six predictions for you for UFC 284. We'll talk to Sean Sheehan and we will also get into the Tom Brady retirement news and anything else going on in the MMA stratosphere next week. Also, don't forget, merchandise for the show can be had at com. One More Sleep Merchandise. There are a lot of people making our One More Sleep merch out there, but the only place to get the authentic stuff millions.co and by the time most of you watch this the shirts for australia and ufc 284 in perth will be out also don't forget kenny florian martial arts.com for all of your jujitsu needs and anakin florian rewind exclusively on ufc fight pass is also live in which we look back at a fight from the ufc archives All right. Thank you to Safe Saud and Balaam Muhammad. We will talk to you all next week in advance of UFC 284. Thanks to my esteemed producer, Cody Merrill. I'm John Anik. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Trademarks owned by Becklass A B to C V twenty twenty four proximo Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.